Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Life Coach Daniel Mangana. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And Our friend Alex is just having a time. And I wanted to send out some prayers and vibrations to her. She's... Uh, she, she's okay. She's dealing, she's in, in a hospital right now and she's getting some treatment and it's all, it's all good. It's all working out, but it's just for her. It just seems like it's been one thing after another. And I, it kind of gave me an idea for a topic for us to discuss today, Dan, because I wanted to get your take on what it is when we're sending vibration when we're, you know, sending prayers and so forth specifically because I know you've been doing David Strickle's um, tire boot camp mm-hmm. and they have, you know, their own particular ways, really great ways, of course, that we know about um, for teaching people how to let go of stuff and how to put transgressors in the past and so forth. So I'm curious on the topic of, you know, when we're sending vibration, has has what you've been learning through David's program influenced your understanding of this in any way? Yes, is the short answer. Okay. Um, That's a long answer. (laughs) (laughs) Because... Overall, I I don't think there's anything new under the sun. Mm. But when you're called to look at something from a different angle in a new way, in a new light, specifically in a container that says, I want you to drop everything you've been doing, guys, and I just want you to just try this. So I'm coming at it as a new baby. So I don't come at this as, oh, I know anything. I come at this, I don't know anything completely blank slate. I'm starting from the ground up. And so, and I've really played quite full out on that. So I've come as if I didn't have any tools, not through, oh, I'm positive. I'm going to look at this. There's a glass half half full. What if I only (laughs) knew that it was a glass? How would I feel about about that? Mm. And so it's been challenging. Um, It's been interesting to see how that shows up, but it's been very, very powerful. That's good. So how has it uh, affected the particular question that I raised about vibration and, you know, the idea of sending source energy to somebody else for their assistance? I don't think you can do that. Ah. <laughs> now we this, get down to it. And this is not to say that you can't. I'm just saying for me, yeah, my layer of reality, that doesn't really happen. What I happens in my layer of reality is everyone that shows up is a reflection of what's happening inside of me. And so I send love to the parts of myself that shine up as that thing and that inevitably ends up showing up differently in that person. That's more of a hologram theory-esque way of looking at things. And that's how I tend to do it. Let's talk about that theory a little bit, because I say, I can say that's different from my own understanding. and I'm curious about it. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about it in terms of what you're calling the hologram theory, the idea that it's, it's just an aspect of you within yourself that you're, you're mm-hmm. helping out, but it ends up helping the other person. How, where, where does it transmit from outside, inside of you to the outside to them, or is it going outside at all? There's nothing outside. Hologram theory. Okay. Over, oversimplified at its root thing is everything is just a holographic projection of my internal environment as a strand of source energy. Okay. And then the Danism of quantum overlays is are of the infinite possible variations of everything, the ones that match me end up showing up as other people. So the quantum overlay of this experience is the holographic projection of me coming out meets the holographic projection of you coming out to be this experience. So ultimately there are two strands of consciousness, but we are meeting the holographic representations of the overlay of two vibrations matching each other. When I change myself, I no longer have a vibrational match for the variation of you that matched with the old version of me. So I'll meet the variation of you that matches the new variation of me. Ergo, if I'm vibrationally matching at a frequency that aligns with a healthy Alex, I will witness the healthy Alex and I'll see that Alex has changed. I haven't sent anything out anywhere. I've just changed my vibrational match to the, ver- to the, the quantum variation of Alex as hell. Okay, that's cool. So let's talk about the hologram part, the holographic mm-hmm. part. Um, what makes it a hologram? What makes it holographic? The science of it, I don't understand enough to 
to define it's one of the reasons why i left it out of my ted talk it's one of the things i was going to talk about it's like i don't know this. okay <laughs> right but effectively it's like something whole and complete within itself is a part of another thing which is whole and complete within itself which is part of another thing whole and complete within itself so my reality is whole and complete and i am whole and complete within my reality as a strand of that that's whole and complete within itself that's like the science behind holograms really bastardized daniel fashion that's so right. another way to look at it is like a projector the movie screen is what's happening inside of me the projector is my perception and then the the projection is what i see around me effectively the inner world equals the outer world but to like the nth degree of like inner world matching outer world when i think of the word hologram or holographic mm-hmm. i think of like science fiction TV mm-hmm. and movie and so forth. And the, the classic example being uh, a character in, encounters a hologram mm-hmm. and tries to reach out and touch the hologram and the hand passes through the hologram. Mm-hmm. So like there's nothing physical to grab onto. Mm-hmm. Does, does that match up with what you understand about this hologram? Well, reality is malleable. That's the nature of reality. The only thing is, is that our perception gives us the ability to connect with it. It's like someone that doesn't believe in ghosts will never see a ghost, but one who believes in ghosts will have encounters with ghosts all the time. So everything is as real as we accept it to be. Our belief systems create the malleability that allows it to be that malleable essence to be real and experienced by us. You know, for some people, the stuff we're talking about is absolute poppycock. They're never going to be able to engage with it on any Mm -hmm. level, but there are people that we know that use this stuff every day and create their life through this. Mm -hmm. So it's all holographic, but depending on our stance, we're either operating at the frequency of the hologram and therefore it's more real to us or we're not. And it's not, but it is ultimately always malleable. something that we can pass through or that we can connect with depending on where we're at individually. That word malleable is interesting to me because again, I, I'm thinking of that image that you see in a, a science fiction movie or a television show, Star Trek, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And from the perspective of a viewer watching that program, the hologram is literally nothing more than some light that has no substance to it that just Which you, is reality. you can't do anything with it. Which is reality. Reality is just light. <laughs> it's just light. And we can only engage with the aspects of light that we're operating at the same vibrational frequency of. Like x-rays, unless you've got x-ray goggles on, you're not going to be able to see it, but they're here. But we can't engage with them. We're moving through it just like we would a hologram. If we look at the whole spectrum of light, that which we engage with is like that against the whole thing of it, like the, the minuscule mm-hmm. part of it. We don't engage with the rest of it because we don't have the equipment naturally built in to be able to see it. If I go and get a, cur- I think it's a Curlian photo, like camera or whatever for Curlian photography and put that against you, I'll see your chakras and I'll see your energy. I can't see it with my eyes because it's the wrong equipment. Mm-hmm. I won't be able to touch it. Like I'm not touching my energy field, but it's here. It's here. I just can't touch it. You know, that's because I'm more dense and because I'm more dense, I'm operating with the aspects of my reality that are more dense too. So the density seems to be a key portion of what we're talking about here. The density of stuff, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. Um, So for instance, when we're talking about that interconnection, to Alex, to our friend Alex, who's mm-hmm. dealing with stuff and we want to give her some support. We're talking about not a connection to the lower density form of Alex that we know at all. We're talking about purely a higher dense or, or, or a, um, yeah, a higher vibration. Um, so in that sense, a, a, is that higher density? I'm not sure if that counts. What is that? <laughs> you know what? The words and fail me. I'm, 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 I tr- I've got, scientist friends who are very serious about this stuff and so i do my best to like not dishonor (laughs) not to dishonor like the years and years of schooling that people go through to speak about this stuff competently so we're talking very much as novices here just doing our best to make sense of it you know Because like people like talking about the quantum and quantum physics, they don't have the slightest figure about quantum. They've just popped that label on something that's sexy for them to sell on Instagram. But ultimately... Well, isn't that what Bohr said? I mean, when when Bohr commented on uh, quantum physics, he says, anyone who thinks that they understand quantum physics doesn't really understand quantum physics. 
<laughs> or even on Star, Star, Stargate SG One, when the, like they met the Tolan and and then Sam Carter's like, "Oh, you guys have cracked quantum physics." They're like, "Yeah, we've proven we've disproven that bollocks." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, that's like what our kids we we teach them that in primary school that it's it's not. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, I I mean I I want to respect science, mm-hmm. right? And so just anybody listening, we're talking hypothetically as two novices that are speaking about ideas. So if we bring this more to a philosophical, hypothetical, spiritual conversation versus the deep science stuff, because I'm not qualified to do it. And I, I to keep my mouth shut and stuff I'm not qualified to do. I grasp enough of some aspects of and elements of these concepts in order for it, my stuff to make more sense. But I don't. I don't pretend to be a. I. I, hey, I this is just my my mind saying. Oh, well, there's another cool question. Let's see. If we can <laughs> yeah, go there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just. I just want to be respectful. Is is all because I think sure. the world that we're in of you know universal law of attraction all that stuff, in many ways shoots itself in the foot speaking about the science as if it knows what it's talking about and often just misquoting it. I mean the amount of quotes poor Einstein poor get you know the amount of stuff that gets attributed to him to being said he didn't say it it's true but it's like it's like yeah just just you know give it some respect but oh man if we just talk about it in terms of no just common we can we can dip i think we don't need to go as deep in the science in order for it to make sense for our discussion is basically what i'm saying Mm -hmm. right now i'm engaging with you i can't i can poke my computer but i can't touch you but you're real well, I think I am. I, I was this morning, anyway. <laughs> you know, so there are aspects of our reality, like electricity. We don't see electricity, but we see the effect of electricity. Nature, if you know, if we look at the natural plane, so one of the ways I was taught is to look at the physical plane, the natural plane, the spiritual plane, these planes or levels of density, basically, things play at that level. Now, we can engage with that level, but we're not going to experience it with our senses, our five senses in the same way, because mm-hmm. our five senses are limited in the bandwidth that they can operate within and without. Of. That's when people talk about the higher senses, you know, um, like the ladies that do the, the psychic work on, on the show, right? Mm-hmm. They're not using their five senses. They're using extra sensory action when we look at the the five the five clairs clairvoyance clear audience clear this and clear that they're extensions that are able to extension of both senses that can operate outside a purely three-dimensional reality when i talk about three-dimensional reality personally i'm saying that which we engage with our physical senses the second that we move beyond using the senses we're no longer in three-dimensional reality because we're moving outside of time and space and into non- Non, ta- ta- non tangible, <laughs> tangible, okay, non tangible aspects of reality. Sorry, we'll go back to light, the spectrum of light. There's only a portion of it that we can engage with our, our eyes, the rest mm-hmm. of it, we need additional support. Sure, some people can see x rays without electrical stuff, and some most of us need really. <laughs> I, I, that, that's new to me. I didn't know there were people who could see x rays. No, I'm just saying, people that talk about I just pulled one out of my bum. Oh, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> just, like, I could see the energy because well, we know that. Well, yeah, I know people, yeah. Who, I, and at times I've been able energy. to see energy myself. I yeah. see it. Well, I can see energy yeah. pretty much. I'm not, I'm not great at it, but uh, I'm better at it than I was five years ago. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but it comes from you know working those non sensory muscles. Mm-hmm. I have a better phrase. So when we're looking at um, Alex, right? Mm-hmm. Alex isn't just skin and bones. Right. She's skin and bones. She's got a mental aspect to her, which can be impacted by her emotional state. So it's separate to her emotional state, but is an experience with her senses and therefore is non-physical. So it's somewhere in the middle. We can take yes. pictures of her energy body. So we know that mm-hmm. that's quote unquote real Two, we communicate with her physical body through time and space, a handshake, a hug, a hello is experienced. Can, we can see each other. Right. People use telepathy, for example, are using mind True. to transmit thought back and forth. People that meet astrally are using their spirit bodies in order to connect 
with mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. When you have the know-how, you can actually bring uh, a relationship between those aspects cross. So my physical body can engage with your spirit or your mental and your mental can engage with my, if we know how to do that. We're looking rudimentally at your original question of sending good vibes to someone. I feel what we're doing is we're essentially moving up to that level of density where we connect with each other at that level and then having a communication at that level. So my energy body speaks to your energy body, which isn't affected by time and space and therefore can communicate a message. My only thing is that we can communicate messages, but real change doesn't happen from... um, True change doesn't happen from me making a change in you. I'm communicating at that level of change that I made in myself that gets reflected in the the version of you that I end up being able to communicate with and therefore what I witness and experience in thought and physical reality. That's an important distinction, the version of us. Well, we, we all have different versions of ourselves. Everything's got a different version of it. It's got, you know, the whole thing of quantum potentials all about these variations of experience that we have, the snapshots that we move through that we call mm. our life. It's moving through one of an infinite number of variations of any moment in time. And that happens because of attraction and alignment, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the very, the version of me that's communicating with you is the one that's had some success with that, but there's also a quantum variation of me that's had no success with that. There's a quantum variation of me that still goes to church and I don't know, does something that I did, finished his uni degree and lived <laughs> another thing. And that exists out there. And this is the one that I'm consciously experiencing right now. I have to admit that the, uh, the multiverse theory, that's essentially what you're talking about there, uh, the, this you know, infinite number of versions of ourselves, it's, it's intellectually interesting to me. It's not something I've ever been able to tap into emotionally. It's mm-hmm. always seemed very, I don't know, just, just abstract more than anything else. But I think what I'm talking about is a different to multiverse because multiverse kind of says that there's a fluid timeline of experience that's happening alongside each other. I'm yeah. saying that actually we move from point to point through different snapshots. It doesn't actually say that there's an ongoing timeline. It's a different snapshots. And those different snapshots are experienced and pulled from infinite potential and experiences what we move through in our life. Is it possible that there's a whole timeline going on? Well, for infinite possibility to be true, then there has to be a reality where multiverses are, are real. Otherwise, there's no infinite possibility. Do I subscribe to that in terms of my conscious experience here and now? I don't know. I haven't really given it that much attention, but I do subscribe to the fact that life is a series of snapshots. Quantum physics refer to these as quanta, these snapshots that we move through so quickly, much like a picture book, that we think we're having this fluid experience, but we're not. We're having a connection of it, micro experience, quanta experiences that we see as the now. We reflect back on as memories, often distorted, and we look towards as expectation. And interestingly enough, the way I understand it anyway, these experiences, like you, you describe them as a series of fr- frames. Is that what you call them? Snapshots, frames. Snapshots, yeah. Slides. The, uh, the interesting thing from my perspective is that they all have a, what's the word? A, a thickness, I guess is the best word I can think of. A, a thickness of zero. You know, like there's <laughs> really, there's no, there's no actual shape to it. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what's so crazy about this topic, because, I mean, the, the, the words start to fail you after a while when you're trying to describe it. <laughs> and, and the thing is, you know, again, this, all of this is relative, right? Einstein told us so. <laughs> did he? Did he? <laughs> <laughs> well, the version I'm aware of did. <laughs> did he? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe <laughs> we'll play with our we'll minds. Find, we'll, again, find, aren't you? we'll find out next lifetime. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but ultimately, what's most important is what makes sense for us to accept as true here and now. Because 
Did Einstein say it? Does it matter whether he said it or not? What impact does it have on my reality now and what I want to create going forward? Or is that just another energy trap that's going to suck my energy from the now and therefore disempower me from moving forward in a way that I want to move forward? That's a fair point because you can really go down a million rabbit holes with this kind of stuff. And, a million completely I mean, superfluous rabbit holes that actually don't do anything. And this is one of the traps, I think, that... I mean, I did a, I just did a, a, an interview, podcast interview on a live stream uh, I don't know, a couple of hours ago. And this is one of the things I spoke about, you know, being so caught up in the sexy... <laughs> Right, so caught up in the sexy that we actually lose sight of what's experienced. I'm not talking about what's real, as in these things aren't real, but what's I don't want to even say important, but what's that's where I was going to go with it. The way I would have said it is, what's our priority? What's what's important to us? It's not it's not just generally, you know, objectively important. It's individually mm -hmm. important. Everybody has a, a different sense of what's important for them. I would say. Yeah. And, and that's really what drives it. I mean, now, why do we go down rabbit, hills, rabbit, rabbit holes here? It was because that's what we do here on the podcast. <laughs> just, this is what I wake up to do every day. So, you know, <laughs> we, I, th I think I'm like, uh, well, we are kind of performing a public service. You know, if we mm -hmm. go down the rabbit holes for our listeners and they don't have to do it. Now exactly. they can go back to actually, you know, pursuing their life and, and, you know, deciding what they want to bring into their life and, and mm -hmm. staying focused there because they don't need to go down the rabbit holes. We've already done it for them. So, exactly. Um, We've done all the heavy lifting. Yeah, right. It's a, it's a public service is what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's all well and good. There's, there's, there's fun and adventure going down rabbit holes. It, it can be fun, but there's also a level of danger with going down rabbit holes because we can be so caught up with the rabbit holes that we actually end up losing sight of the stuff that really matters. So let's go there. What really does matter? What's, what do you think is the most important thing in your life? I won't ask you to speak for anybody else, but what, what matters? What matters to me changes as my experience continues to evolve. Uh -huh. Good point. You know, because right our wishes now, are always changing. Wishes are changing because we're getting new. In, we're, we're getting new content. We're getting new inputs. We're right. getting new new data. Yeah. I think stagnation happens when we stop being open to new information, mm -hmm. and and remain stuck. Again, I'm I'll quote Stargate SG One because it's a. Uh, my, you've, been, my, you've been doing some uh, watching there, I think. Yeah, it's my, my nighttime um, evening duty, sort of okay. in the background when I'm sort of getting my admin bits done in the evening. I watch a, an episode or two, right? Until I go to bed with him. Um, there was a there's an episode where they end up on this planet, and what happened was they happened to show up on this planet just when these people had dug up their Stargate. Ah, okay. it had been, and there were some, some local young scientists that were doing an archaeological dig because there were, two there were two opposing ideas held on this planet. One held the idea that mankind were brought to that planet through a, a, work, through a, a, a gateway, okay. and that's how humans got there. The other opposing view was that, no, their god, Nefertu, had created them, which is actually the the ghoul that actually come and given them the false godhood or whatever. So you had right. these two opposing ideas. They dug up the Stargate in the land of the people that believed in the God, in the God. And so, okay. so the army show up and they're like, they've been at war with the other continent for decades. And people have died, you know, they, uh -huh. the other guys have died saying, no, we weren't created by a God. We were brought here. No, right. our God created us. And they didn't have any evidence either way until the Stargate showed up. Right. Right. So the, the head of the military is like, no, these guys are spies from the other continent. They've come to like <laughs> so dissent. And he thinks that the Stargate SG-1 are spies. And so he's mm -hmm. like torturing them to, you know, who's your leader, blah, blah, blah. Right. And they're like, no, we're from, we're from another, another planet. We came here through the thing. And, you know, one of the young scientists was open to new ideas. He's like, well, I've all this time believed that my God created it. I guess I could be wrong. I'm open to explore and see what happens. Wow. The other young scientist is the one that went and got the military because she's like, we've got to go and get in the military and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, mm -hmm. 
long story short, they didn't actually end up being open to new ideas and everyone had to escape. But this is representative of those of us that are holding on to ideas, ideas of who we are, what we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, you know, what life's supposed to look like versus being open to new ideas and change, which may render what we've believed up until now to be redundant and wrong. We may be proven wrong about stuff, but when you're open to the growth and expansion that comes from change, you're okay with that. Mm-hmm. We don't mm-hmm. hold on to old ideas. We're open to ideas being seen in new ways or being thrown away completely. And for me, that's how I look at life. I look at what's come in that day, what I've learned about people, what I've learned about myself, what I've learned about reality. Just like going into the boot camp, entire boot camp. I've gone in there assuming that everything I know is BS. I'm here to experience something and test it for myself. When I was going through my journey of proving, um, sort of testing my purple brick theory, you know, I grew up in a very strict Christian home. I didn't really, I wasn't open to other ideas. Mm-hmm. And I went on a journey to say, well, if I'm going to say all these people are wrong, I need to see if they're really wrong or not. So, you know, going to Hindu temples and actually sitting with Hindu teachers and learning about their ancient texts, going and doing, I did a whole, I did a Ramadan and like did a whole month of fasting and prayed five times a day for a couple of months just to see, wow. you know, what's going on. I learned to transliterate, transliterate Arabic so I can see for myself, do I really believe this? Wow. Is it wrong? Right. Wow. I'm getting an inside track rather than other people telling me that this yeah. is what it is. I've done Shabbat and actually gone through that whole thing and actually gone and read the Torah and understood these things. I've gone and learned, gone and learned about Zoroastrianism and sat with uh, Indian Chalmers. I've done all of this so I can see for myself. Right. What do I choose for me? Boy, I mean, you you make you put me to shame. I mean, you, you actually <laughs> went and did all this. Stuff. I, I sat down, thought about, it, and I said, "Yeah, I like, like that." No, I don't like. I mean, just like you know, and that's fine. But this is this is me, you know, and this and this isn't me imposing this or saying, "Well, this is the way you should do it." If you don't do this, blah blah blah. No, I'm not doing that. I'm saying I went down this route, you know, to see for myself. And I came up on the other side. I was like, "Do you know what? Everybody's saying the same thing, and they've just got different languaging." Yeah. You know, it's so funny, like, you get hardcore Muslims that are like, oh, if you don't believe the Quran, you go to hell. That's not what the Quran says. The Quran says, if you're a good person and follow basic edicts based on what you know and how you've dealt with that, you can go to Jannah, you can go to heaven. That, that, that's the interesting thing about all belief systems. There are... There, there are different people saying that different things about the same system. Yeah. <laughs> and it gets a little confusing at times. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, I I went through, you know, these journeys, these processes to love myself. What do I want for me? And it's one of the the golden rule of trance surfing that I love is do you and allow everyone else to be themselves. Mm. So now I can go to Hindu temple and do that. I can go to a mosque and take my shoes off and I know exactly how many times to bend down and what to say and what to do and have respect for that. And I can go and sit with Shabbat and I may not have the best voice, but I can at least give a, give a shot at doing the prayers, <laughs> right? Or I can go to a church on a Friday, Saturday or a Sunday and I can quote you from the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm doing that because it, I truly believe, and this is just my experience, sure. that ultimately source energy just shows, has showed up over millennia or hundreds of thousands of millennia in different ways and different forms. And we as humans interpreted that made sense of it and communicated that with our local communities in a way that made sense for us. Mm. But then over time, we've got this egoic idea that we have to make everybody feel and think the same way that, that we do. And we see it now with spirituality. You have to do it this way. This is the way to meditate. Or this is your affirmation. This is how you make a, a vision board. This is how you make a vision board, bro. I don't even <laughs> use vision boards. <laughs> it's like our, our vegan friends, you know, someone, someone tried to convince me the other day that you should be vegan. I know that's one of your favorite things too. Uh, to actually, like, be convinced of this. It was just like, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, he's like." I was like, "Ah, oh, you know, I tried it. It's not for me. It's just the microbes in your in your gut. You just need to stick with it. The microbes in your gut are going to change, and then you're going to be able to do veganism." Mm-hmm. I had my DNA checked, mate. <laughs> just, <laughs> DNA trumps gut microbes. <laughs> it's like, you know. <laughs> just do you if you want to have a plant-based diet have a plant-based diet if you want to be a carnivore i don't really agree i try carnivore a little bit 
wasn't really for me. I like green leafy vegetables. You know, I like mm. having some veg in my diet. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't really eat much grains. They don't really agree with me. So I kind of swerve mm-hmm. them a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, did I feel good? Yeah, up to a point. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just not a Nazi about any of it. Am I keto-ish? Pretty much. But every now and then I like donuts. I'm not like, oh, I can't have this donut. It's against the gods of keto. I can't have the donut. <laughs> yeah. I want a donut. I'm going to have a bloody donut. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I bless it and I enjoy it and I get up my spiral as I'm in, eating it and it's doing no harm to me. It can only do good. And that's how I go through life. What feels good? What does no harm? What's the place I'm coming from? Where am I on my spiral? Will I'm engaging with it or imbibing it. And I don't try and force those ideas, feelings or beliefs on anyone else. I really resonate, especially with the part about how does it feel to me? Mm-hmm. Does, is it in alignment, as we like to say, mm-hmm. with how I'm feeling about stuff and what I'm enjoying, what I prefer? Because mm-hmm. I think that's what we're really talking about here. We're talking about preferences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone's going to have different preferences. And there are going to be a lot of people who are going to have preferences that just make me want to retch. But you know what? That's their preferences. That's up to them. It's and just like, okay. it is totally okay. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have to eat what they're eating or think what they're thinking or drink what they're drinking or breathe mm-hmm. what they're breathing. I mean, if they want to breathe, you know, uh, nitrous oxide all day, fine. Go right ahead. You know, I'll just, I'll, I'll say thank up, you, but literally. no thank you. Knock <laughs> 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 yourself out, literally. And, and I know it's going to lead to stuff that to to, to consequences. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of those sticky words because we often associate consequences as a word with negative stuff happening. But I don't use the word that way. I think of it as just what follows. Mm-hmm. I don't have a better word than consequences for what follows. So I just go with that one. But you know, there are going to be consequences that come along, and some of them I'm going to like. There's some going to be, there's going to be like. effects from that that effects, follow from the cause. Yeah. Uh, sure, that's what that is. It's an effect. There's going to be effects that follow from the causation. And, you know, there are going to be people I can see very often. I know you do, too. There are mm-hmm. going to be people who, who pursue a certain path and they, they're adopting a certain viewpoint. And I can just see it's going to lead to them having what I would call a really miserable experience. Mm-hmm. And I have to kind of be okay with that. Because mm. if I don't, I get sucked into their world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that's the thing I think that we we kind of miss. Mm-hmm. We don't realize that the more that we disapprove of X, whatever it is, we get mm-hmm. sucked into it. So do it as little as possible. <laughs> Why? Because that's what feels good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which is uh, well, that's pretty much what David Strickle teaches. What uh, yeah. Thai Boot Camp teaches. And and one of the things, you know, when we're looking at polarity is not judging what shows up that doesn't match our preference, but just witnessing mm-hmm. and taking it on as a part of the human experience. Yeah. yeah. It is interesting. It's, I mean, there's, it, the, the one good thing, there, there are many good things, but one good thing that comes to my mind about living in a world of polarity is watching the polarity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like what Alex would say because she she has said this before on on the podcast. She doesn't want to go experience the polarity. She'd rather watch it on television, but she loves watching it on television. Mm-hmm. And I I can appreciate that. I, I don't like spending a whole lot of time giving my attention to the lower end of polarity. But every mm-hmm. once in a while, it's like, what are they? What are those crazy people doing over there? I mean, you just mm-hmm. kind of have to watch for a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think. I think the real art of living in abundance is recognizing for yourself, for myself, speaking for myself, how far to go with that and how far not to go with that. Just kind of being in tune with, okay, this is having an impact on me looking at this thing that I really don't like very much. Mm-hmm. How much time am I willing to give to it? You know, mm-hmm. there's going to be, there's going to be consequence to that as well. Mm. And, and that's why, I mean, you were talking earlier about how, it's not like there's one thing or one major thing that is the most important thing in life. It becomes a series of events and we keep adjusting and adapting and reselecting our value list, if you will, as mm. we're going through life. Well, that's, that's why if mm. we come at life and I have done this, by the way, I'm raising my hand to say this. If we come at life with here is the one and only value list, Mm-hmm. That, that is a guaranteed route to hell. <laughs> it is mm-hmm. absolutely guaranteed because no matter how you end up 
putting that list together, it's going to lead you to a static, stagnant place that, in your mind anyway, doesn't change. Your life doesn't change. And when your life doesn't change, it actually changes for the worse. That's the thing that's really bizarre <laughs> if about not, it. If, it's, if your life's not growing, then it's it's declining. It's exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think when we when we remember stagnation. <laughs> oh gosh, stagnation. Do I really fancy that? No, you don't fancy it. So not really. It. No. <laughs> Be open to the groove and flow of change. That changes the natural. Like when something stops growing, it's dying. When we die, it's literally because the telomeres in our body stop growing, genes stop replicating themselves, then you die. That's it. One by one, something, an essential function in the body will stop working, whether the heart stops working, the lung stops working, the brain stops working. Something stops working and the telomeres in that stop regenerating. And that's what happens with us, you know, in terms of our essence. Also, we we cut off the lifeblood of change and growth and expansion, and then it just stops growing and then it just dies. That's, that's what happens. It is what happens. Yeah. So if I were going to ask my own, or I'm sorry, if I were going to answer my own question, what is important? Uh, I would say what's important to me is what I like right now. Yeah. Fortunately, I like a lot, so that means diversity. <laughs> I was I was add to that. What feels good and does no harm? Well, does no harm to me or somebody I care about. I'll limit yeah. it that way. I, I I've learned I don't really want to wish does no harm on somebody who actually is out to harm themselves or others, because it's an interference then, then that I'm not sure I really want to go. Then, but then you're not doing harm. I suppose because harm There's is perception. Well, it's all perception, yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Got him! <laughs> yeah, the whole thing is perception. It's mm-hmm. just... To answer the question that I was raising with you earlier, what's that hologram? What's that What's that all about? That's the best word I know to describe it. The hologram is perception. Mm-hmm. That holographic experience is, is an experience of perception. Mm. And, you know, I, I kind of try to imagine... We're all source energy. We'll start with that as the baseline, okay? Mm-hmm. So I think about energy, you know, I'll, I'll have like a, a graphic image of like, you know, light or, or some sort of plasma or something like that, you know, moving really, really fast in like a tube or, or something like that. You know, so I can have mm-hmm. some sort of a visual. And then I'll take the tube away so that it's just the energy. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say to myself, okay, so that energy becomes physical. And we often describe that as, you know, the vibration reducing or becoming more dense or something like that. We have a number of different ways to describe that. And, and I ask myself, if I were to visualize that, or if I were to create a model of that, what would that model look like? Mm-hmm. And that's where the hologram idea becomes useful to me mm-hmm. because then I can just kind of imagine like I'm a piece of that, that flow of source mm-hmm. energy and, and my piece kind of, it's almost like out of Star Trek, right? It, it grows into a, into a figure out of, out of this mm-hmm. nothingness. <laughs> holding complete that, within itself, which is part of a, another pattern holding complete within itself. Yeah. It, it, it just, it, it was, it was not there a moment ago. Now it just kind of like a bubble. It kind of expands into this, this thing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't actually have any density because, like you said, you can still pass your hand through it. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it it interacts, it does things, and then mm-hmm. you put it on the Star Trek Hollow Deck, mm-hmm. and on the Hollow Deck, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's all mm-hmm. holographic that it all interacts with. And and the really curious thing, this is the part that my mind starts to bend a little bit and perhaps even break, is the part where the the holographic characters on the Hollow Deck can actually interact as if they were physical. Mm-hmm. As if they could touch so. each other. Yeah, they, 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 they experience the physicality of it. And, and the reason I say that my mind kind of breaks at that point is, well, what's the difference between that and what I experience as life? Mm-hmm. And the answer that I, I come up with is, I haven't the faintest idea what the difference is. <laughs> the difference is, I believe, I truly believe the difference is whatever you say it is. Yeah, it's pretty similar, much. Similarity yeah. is going to be what you say it is, right? Because for two people, those ideas will be so foreign, the reticular activating system actually stops them witnessing any similarity between them. True, true, yeah. You know, we can actually witness physical limitations in our ability to connect with 
that. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that it goes. That's the way that it rocks and rolls. <laughs> I, I, I'm buying in more and more to the theory that life is the matrix. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm becoming more and more, I'm not there yet, but I can certainly I, see the argument. <laughs> I, I can see that there's a possibility that, um, we're going to get to a place where more and more people are believing that, especially when Matrix 4 comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a Matrix 4? I hadn't heard they're, that. They're, they're filming it right now. No kidding. Oh, wow. That they're should be interesting. Right yeah. And, and I, I was wondering how they're going to do it, but I watched, a, I, was, I didn't want to watch too much about it, but I did want to watch some of it. And now I see roughly what direction that they're going in. And that's that the machines didn't allow the unpredictability of random cloning the babies that they clone in the, the fields, they clone the same humans over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So then the, the residual digital self that they're going to experience in the matrix is going to be the same. So it's a, a different person with the same face. So it's not Mr. Anderson anymore, but it's still Keanu Reeves face. So he can have a completely different experience within the same matrix. I'm not quite sure I follow that, but that's okay. <laughs> I saw what I, I I saw you getting lost, which is one of the things you can see when you watch us on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, when you watch it on YouTube, basically, not only do you hear me getting lost, you can actually see me getting lost at the same time. It's a very cool thing. And if you want to do that, you know, just go ahead and subscribe <laughs> to us on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an experience watching us. You know, it's, it's one thing to listen to the podcast, which is what it's great. There's nothing wrong with listening to the podcast. That's what 99% mm -hmm. of our listeners do. Mm -hmm. But then you actually see us and you say, these guys are wackier than I thought. I mean, it's a really good experience. Wacky, yeah. yeah. So, you know, subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Don't just uh, mm -hmm. listen to us on the podcast. Hit the little bell, you know, so you get notified whenever we're on. And mm -hmm. be, a, be a part of the YouTube part of it, too. It's yeah. fun both ways. You, and you can watch us live when you do it with YouTube and actually engage with us. Send us questions yeah. and comment on what you think we're talking about and what you've got to I, say. I got, I got to tell you something about that. The fact Because mm -hmm. we do get people who, who watch the live stream with us as we do this every single day. Mm -hmm. A very fascinating thing has been happening on the live stream. What's that? Nothing. People aren't saying anything? Like, literally, they're tuned in. You know they're tuned in. You can see the numbers changing. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, you get a comment. But it's like, I, I almost wonder, I'm asking myself, like, are we going too far into the extreme abstraction or something that people aren't interacting the way they used to? I don't know what I it had, is. I did a, I did a, um, I can't remember what I was on the other day. I know. I did a, we had a, a guest teacher come in from my Michael Demillion's group coach, my friend Chris. And um, he's, he asked a question and everyone was silent. And he goes, either, everyone, either that was really clear or completely confusing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Precisely. You just nailed it. That's exactly yeah, what it is. It yeah. was really clear or completely confusing. It's one of the two. Now, I do know we get, you know, we often get a lot of emails actually from listeners telling us what they think about what's going on with the program. And they're uniformly you know, just glowing in terms of what they're saying. So they're liking it. Mm -hmm. I'm just not, I'm not sure how much they're grokking it, but they're liking it. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, well, I actually, a lot of them are very detailed. So it's clear to me that they are grokking it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I guess it's part of the evolution of the, sh of the show. Yeah. It's just how, it's how just we grow. Good. It's how we grow. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Five weeks from now, it's going to be a whole bunch of people jumping in saying, well, yeah, here's my comment. <laughs> it's going to vary. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, this is good stuff. Um, let's see. There was something else I was going to bring up with you. What was the other? Oh, I know what I wanted to bring up. Um, I wanted to go back to what you talked about earlier about everything being the inside job. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to ask you two questions about that. The first one was what is external? Is there anything external? And the second question is more along the lines of, to what degree is there a correlation between the internal and intuition? I actually did a, a podcast, like I had a, I do a thing sometimes where well, I used to, I haven't done it in ages, where people can have like a Q&A mm -hmm. and we recorded them as episodes for the podcast. And I had one who was a, a lady I know who is 
intuitive, very, very, very um, empathic. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she has out-of-body experiences like like anything, you know. Wow. Really, really cool kitten. And we, we, we looked at this question, you know. Okay. How much of it is intuition and how much of it is fear? Uh-huh. Did I just intuit that that's going to happen to that person? Or did my fear actually create the outcome? Did I intuit that that was going to happen positively? Or was it my faith and certainty, which I experienced as intuition, that actually led to the outcome being made manifest? And to really muddy the waters, what exactly is the difference? Who the fudge knows and what really, what does it really matter? <laughs> right. We're back are, in that rabbit hole area again. Are, are the two not intertwined? Is there a symbiotic relationship between are. intuition and, for me, the second that we say something has to happen, we've just constructed, constricted infinite possibility. Mm-hmm. Sure. Which, whilst infinite possibility means that there must be a possibility that that can happen, the only thing that God cannot do is be less than itself because then it's no longer God. True. So anytime anyone says that something has to happen, my intuition said this is going to happen. I did a reading. This. No, what we're talking about is the most probable outcome based on where I am now. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's going to contribute to the probability of that outcome is my emotional relationship to that outcome because it's going to set my vibrational frequency for what's going to show up. Sure. So for me, intuition is just an insight into what's going on that I can feel more viscerally and have more direct relationship to. Okay. All right. Well, it kind of fits in nicely with what I've thought about. What, What is this whole idea of a limiting belief? What is this whole idea of when I create a thought or I create a wish of some kind that I'm putting a limitation and I think the, the best answer I've ever been able to come up with is I'm taking the, I, I think of source energy as being infinite. I think of it as being God, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. Mm-hmm. And the moment that we, we take not just ourselves as part of that stream, but ourselves as like a block of stream, I think of it that way. Cause I mean, it, it's not like it has any definite size to it, right? It's mm-hmm. just, it just kind of it is. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the moment that we take our block of it, so to speak, and just start shaping it in some way, that is putting a limitation. It's not, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that... Limitations aren't always bad. Limitations are very good in many cases. They add structure. They add context. Exactly. Framework. Physical reality is a limitation that creates a framework, a structure within which new experiences can be had. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I think about it that way, that gives me an entirely different feel. Mm-hmm. about what, a, what a, a limiting belief is. I no longer fear a limiting belief. I no longer say, oh, God, I want to avoid limiting beliefs. For me, it's, does this belief, limiting or expansive, serve me? Because expansive beliefs can also be a disservice too. Talk about what you mean by that. Well, I'm going to go somewhere a bit dark. Hitler believed okay. that he was being expansive in the, for the lives of the German people. Okay. Donald Trump believed that he was being expansive when putting up a wall and actually you putting did. America first. That was an expansive thought. It was. Yep. But everyone that it impacted was an expansive. When you look at the shutdowns that happened globally off the back of, 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 of you know, COVID restrictions and stuff, you know, leaders, I believe on, for many of them, there's going to be some insidious ones, but I believe, for the most, I believe for the most part, people are doing their best to try and keep people safe. They have an expansive intention albeit the the effect of that causation isn't really <laughs> proving to be all that expensive after all. But, you know... Well, well that's because we live in a world of unintended consequences. I mean, just because we shape something a certain way doesn't mean it turns out what we think it's going to be. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because especially when we're not being wholly intentional, if we're just being intentional in thought or in feeling, but we're not intentional across the board, and intentional with a lot more conscious awareness to alignment and some of these other concepts. You know, if I'm have an expansive thought made in a space of fear, it doesn't matter how forward thinking and life giving my thought was, it was made in a space of fear, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of choices, for example, are being, you know, all of these things, all of these examples I gave, people are making choices from a place of fear. Yeah. And seeds planted in fear won't be reaped in abundance. They're going to be reaped. <laughs> they're going to be reaped in fear. That's what you're going to be getting. So, 
you know. How annoying. Every time that we focus on fear, we get more fear. I mean, we, what's fair about that? I tell you. Double drag. But, you know, if we are being intentional from the ground up, from the energy that we're in when we have the thought, thought into that frequency that we're resonating with, and then the vision that we're having, and then the actions we're taking, it's going to be expensive for us, but we can't account for how it's going to impact other people. All that we can do is have true and heartfelt intentions, right? Some which the, is a, which is a lot, by the way. I mean, I, I would I, I wouldn't want to to suggest that that's in, inadequate in, in any way because it's complete. No, it's that, more than adequate. And at the end of the day, that's all that we can do. We're responsible yeah. to other people, but not for them. That's right. When I say what does good, what feels good, and does no harm, I'm saying from my point of perspective, from a whole place, heart centered place has zero intention of anything but life and more life to others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I can completely. And that's that. the most that we can do. We can't go any further than that. At this True. level of consciousness, we can't see the rest of the playing field. I wouldn't want to go farther than that. And just like you said earlier, sometimes the contrast that might even be created by a choice is actually for the uplift and expansion of others. <laughs> this happened um, two days ago. I was on Clubhouse and... Um, the room that I was in on Clubhouse was, it came as a result of a woman from a place of fear tried to bully someone into buying her services and was being like scaremongering. That woman then set up a room about this and then hundreds of people had the opportunity to share this beautiful conversation and ask questions and connect with each other. And all of that came because of a disempowering choice that someone made consciously to try and put fear into someone in order to drive them into buying their services. Mm. It didn't work, but it created this beautiful space. Right, yeah. And part of my contribution to the conversation was let's send love and gratitude for that woman for making that choice, which created this beautiful space as a result. We never know how our choices are going to affect others. All that we can do is set the intention that we are going to be adding to the life of others in some way, regardless of how it turns out. I think that's one of the reasons I really appreciate the concept of soul, of source energy, the way mm. we, we've been describing it here, because... That particular conception enables me to, quote, send the source, unquote. Not that we're actually sending. Dear Alex, please accept this. No, it's not like (laughs) Please accept our heartfelt source energy. That's right. (laughs) But just because we pay attention to, I'll put it that way, because we're paying attention to the pure source Mm. to the best degree that we can, to to the best of our abilities, we're essentially doing the creating without doing the creating, if that makes sense. We're, we're not like, we're not trying to mold it. We're not trying to take that, that block of source energy and start shaping. We're just saying intention, source energy, Alex, do what you will. It becomes unconscious competence. Unconscious competence. That's an interesting phrase. Have you never heard of that model? I, think, I learned it from Tony Robbins, but we go from being unconsciously incompetent, incompetent to consciously incompetent to consciously competent and then unconsciously. Yeah. I I see where you're going with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting phrase. I'll I'll have to kind of sit with that one for a bit. Yeah. But we, our competence comes without us needing to bring a level of consciousness to it becomes it's normalized and that's true Mm -hmm. mastery. Like riding a bike. Mm -hmm. We become unconsciously competent of our capacity to ride a bike or drive a car. We become unconsciously competent of our ability. But when we first were learning the skills, we first were consciously incompetent. I know that I can't drive this car. I must learn. And then I'm thinking about what I'm doing and then I don't need to think about it because I'm unconsciously competent. Yeah, we've all had that experience of wondering how we got from A to B because I don't remember the trip. Because <laughs> 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 we're, we're so good at doing it, we just do it without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. I hadn't heard that phrase before. I'll have to think about that one some more, but it's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a Tony Robbins model. That's okay. where I got it from. You can check it out. Um, yeah. Yeah, the journey from unconscious incompetent incompetence to unconscious competence. So it's a a very interesting take on the idea of just put the intention out there and let the universe do the work. Yeah, that comes from faith. Yeah, and that faith becomes my becomes manifest unconsciously on our part into something beautiful because we're mm. surrendering into more of ourselves. We're not dependent on this level of mind. So if we look at this this way, you know, when I'm consciously competent, I'm in beta. Mm-hmm. Alpha, I'm unconsciously competent. Alpha and theta, right? When we start moving into delta and higher 
levels of mind, we're accessing more of ourself. We're not limited so much. Mm. And as we access more of ourself, we can access more reality and have more fun playing and creating at that level. And when we get to that level that's closer to pure source, then we're just sort of plugging in and having a go, I think. No, that's pretty much what it is. Hmm. Plugging it in, having a go. I think I'm going to call the show this. <laughs> Plug it in, have a go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good name for an episode, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's good. It grows, it grows pretty well. <laughs> Plug it in, have a go. <laughs> Well, that's what life's all about. Mm-hmm. Truly. You know, we, we talk about that a lot. Why do we come to this world? Why, why do we experience this world? Mm-hmm. I think David described it very nicely on, one time when he was on the show. He said, we come in here as like a weekend vacation. Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. You yeah. know, kind of a getaway. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what we're getting away from, but you know, we're still <laughs> a getaway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Very good. Um, I do want to take a moment to, before we run out of time here, I want to remind people to use the LOA Today app to send in those questions and comments. We do like having them. We didn't, we worked without it today, but uh, we've been getting a lot of them lately and we want to have more um, because, well, for, I, I keep repeating the same thing over and over again. So I probably sound like a broken record, but we like receiving them. It just feels good to receive them, to read them, to talk about them. It's like, Oh wow. This, uh, that's somebody who was really paying attention that day and came mm-hmm. back with this piece of feedback. Yeah, we resonated with somebody in a big way. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons we like re- receiving these things so much. So use the LOA Today app. There's the form there for sending a question. I'm actually going to add a second form there because I think people are getting a little bit confused about the fact that it's a question form. I'm going to have mm-hmm. a second form that just says, here, just send in a comment. So they can have a question mm-hmm. form and a comment form and you know not be worried yeah, about yeah, it yeah. anymore. But uh, for the moment, just use the question form as if it were just a comment form, too. And, you know, send, send in comments because we'd love that, having that kind of um, interaction with you guys. Also, um, there is going to be an update coming up soon. Well, soon is a relative term. <laughs> it's all relative. It's all relative. Well, th- this was particularly relative. <laughs> Let's just say within the next month or two, it's going to be okay. okay. <laughs> at, some, at some point in the future. At some time, you know, it's not going to be far future, yeah. but yeah, it's coming. <laughs> at, at a present moment, coming to you at some point. That's right. As a present exactly. moment. <laughs> but there's going to be an addition to the app, so you're going to want to make sure you're up to date on the app. The addition is going to be a book that a bunch of us put together a couple of years ago called Real Success Stories of the Law of Attraction. And it's published on Amazon and we're going to, I'm going to actually take the time and turn that book into another offering in the goodies section on the app. Nice. So people are going to be able to tap in. And I think we have something like 40 or 50 stories on there that people contributed about, you know, cool stuff that happened when they were using deliberate intention in order to nice. uh, control. You know what the most interesting part about it was, Daniel? What's the, the number one, the number one kind of story that came was about acquiring homes I would not have predicted that one. I would because homes are quite normalized. So there's going to be less resistance to stepping into the experience of something like that. Okay. We're right. born into a home. We have homes most of our life. So there's going to be less resistance to the experience of a home. So when you do a little bit of work, then it's easier to click into place. All right. Well, then you are a wiser man than I am because you <laughs> that one and I would not have. <laughs> 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 but that is going to be coming. So uh, another reason to update uh, the app if you haven't updated or actually install the app. Um, and I'll put a link into to the description today for people who have not yet done that. Sure. But in the meantime, as much as we missed our good friend, Alex, this has been fun. I, I love having conversations with you because you have explored so much of this stuff so well. And I mean, <laughs> I learned today, you, he did Ramadan for a month. Like, really? Oh, my yeah. goodness. I did, I did a whole Ramadan. Mm-hmm. You did a whole bunch and, and all the different major religions and so forth. You did all yeah. these. Wow. I did a Ramadan. I did a, a month of Anabu, which is a, like an part of the uh, Another tradition where you fast during the month of March was a, a lot harder because the days were longer. So I've mm. done, I've done a couple of crazy things. Really cool. Well, I love it. So thanks for sharing all that. I've been enjoying this one. I hope our listeners, I think our listeners will enjoy it too, but I really enjoyed this one. So thank you yeah, very much. And thank you to uh, our listeners who are, who stuck with us through the end and actually were able to hang in there. We appreciate you very much. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.